I got a kazoo. <laughs> Why not? Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny just released in theaters this week, and Ryan and I are here to talk about it this week. No full spoilers ahead for the movie, you've been warned. Uh, from this extreme long shot, we zoom into our medium shot. What was your hype level like going into Dial of Destiny? Uh, my hype level was a little bit of excitement, but also trying to not be overhyped with it because that's failed me before in the past. But I trusted James Mangold. I trusted Harrison Ford still. I trusted a lot of, you know, the fact that it's still produced by Spielberg and Lucas a little bit, but who knows how much control power they have over it. And uh, yeah, I've been a fan of the franchise for for years now, ever since watching it as a kid, but skeptical going into it. I agree with you in that I don't think James Mangold has made a bad movie that I've seen yet. I pretty much liked every one of his that I've watched, and he's one of those ones where you look at his filmography and you might not know it's James Mangold, but you look back and you're like, oh, that's a good film, and that's a good film, and that's mm-hmm. a good, oh, they're all directed by this guy? Okay, sure. And I remember being, my first bout of uh uh-oh was when they announced Steven Spielberg wasn't going to be directing this movie and George Lucas wasn't going to be doing the story for this movie. And then they said James Mangle was coming on and that alleviated my concerns somewhat. But a director's only good as the material he's given. And at this point in time, I'm not, confident in Lucasfilm as a company after their last decade of output I've been consistently disappointed by what they offer me Star Wars specifically because that's mostly what they've been doing but I'm like well they messed up the Star Wars sequels pretty royally what are you going to do to Indiana Jones even if James Mangold's at the helm and like you were saying Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were attached as producers but you know what? James Cameron was attached as producers on all the Terminator movies, too. And look how those turned out. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's more of a glorified thing just to make people say, oh, they're involved. Let's let's that, that'll be OK. They'll they'll make sure it doesn't go to crap. Was there a reason that uh, Spielberg and Lucas said that they didn't want to be involved? Well, they're probably they probably said something, but my assumption was always that Steven Spielberg long since moved away from his 80s action-adventure movies. He's been in more dramas and the like for the last decade or so. And even in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you could feel that he wasn't, his heart wasn't fully into it like it used to be. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was trying, of course, but it just, it wasn't really mm-hmm. his, genre, his genre anymore. And I think George Lucas is more content to be a film historian nowadays he took his four billion disney gave him and he's just (laughs) using it for film preservation and education and i don't know if he really feels so much like working with lucasfilm again after how they treated him when they parted ways so i don't blame them for not wanting to step back in for their own reasons but you know what we at least we got harrison ford we got john williams we got i think some of the producers behind the scenes as well we got ilm we have a lot of the people that made Indiana Jones what it was. Mm-hmm. So, how did they do? Let's get into our close-up and discuss this thing. I'll tell you, I was 
My concerns were somewhat alleviated right away from the opening text, which is a weird thing yeah. to say. But just that they got the font and and the coloring of the text right right out right out the gate. I'm like, oh, okay. So James Mangle, I can tell immediately, has paid attention to the details. He it's a minor thing, but you can tell he cares enough just to add something like that. It's the consistency from one through five now and yeah, he's going to put his own spin on the movie, but he clearly has respect for what came before, and I see that just from this very subtle opening, from the first frame of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, that opening, even though it was like, what, maybe 20 minutes? Yeah. It felt like it at some parts. The opening text right away was like, okay, I can tell they picked the right guy right away. Um should we talk about the deep fake right away or <laughs> why not? It's I kind of like that. They had a little bit of a reveal to it. He's got the bag over yeah. his head. They're dragging him in. I mean, a lot of us saw the trailers. I, I knew yeah. it was in the under there just cause that's the shot they threw in a lot of them ever so briefly, but well, you'll get into your thoughts obviously, but I was generally impressed with it. It was mm-hmm. a little uncanny Valley in some parts and of course, they made a very intentional decision to set this whole sequence at night so that they can hide it as well as possible. He can slink in the shadows, turn his back to the camera, or later on hide under his hats, whatever. But I feel like that was more my mind playing tricks on me than the actual work the VFX artists did, because I know Harrison Ford's not that young. Mm-hmm. I think personally, what threw the effect more than anything was his voice. He still yeah. sounds like an old man, which looks weird on the face of himself from 40 years ago. If he didn't speak at all, it nearly would have been more convincing, which is interesting. Well, it's funny you mention up when he's speaking, because I feel like they tried to de-age his voice as well in some mm. parts. It did feel a little AI generated to me. And yeah, I agree with you. For the most part, it did really well until he started talking. It's just the way... I still don't think uh, VFX artists have nailed... Um, deep fake technology in terms of when people are talking. Yeah. I mean, the best example is Luke Skywalker in uh, Book of Boba Fett, and most of the time when he's talking, it's off screen. And yeah, there's a reason they did that. When he's and just here, standing there, it looks great. When he's in action, yeah. it looks great. When he's talking, mm-hmm. it looks and sounds a little funny. But he doesn't say much in this 20-minute opening, so you can give yeah. it a pass for what it was trying to do. I mean, it's weird, too, because I saw this on, like, an IMAX screen, so I could see all the little, you know, little errors that there were. It's just sometimes when his face is moving, you can tell that the deepfake, or whatever it is, is trying to catch up with who's ever underneath there. Or maybe it was Harrison underneath there. Who knows? I doubt it, but... It didn't look like his body now. Yeah. It looked like a body double to me. So it was very interesting. It didn't take me out of the movie. I, it made me go like, oh, that's weird at some parts. It wasn't, oh, it wasn't egregiously terrible as you would think it would be. It was actually decent. I was mostly immersed after the first little bit. I thought it even got more convincing as it went. But maybe once again, that's just mm-hmm. my mind adjusting to this new reality and going with it. But I thought for this, for a cold open, for the first Indiana Jones movie in 15 years, I think it was a really smart choice to start it 
I mean, you cool. You get to use new technologies, but also we get one last splash of Harrison Ford in his prime Indiana Jones in the past. Mm-hmm. Probably never see something like that again unless they do a full CGI remake using this kind of technology. Maybe this is just them laying the groundwork for that in the future. Try to get us accustomed to it. Oh, it's been done before. Maybe. But let's just say this is the last Indiana Jones movie they'll ever make with Harrison Ford. I I like that we got to see, like, you and me specifically, because you and I didn't grow up with the originals. I've never seen Harrison Ford in his prime in a new movie on the big screen. So, yeah, sure, it's a de-aged version. Whatever. But just getting that feeling of seeing Indiana Jones in his prime again was something really cool for me. Because I've, I've grown up with these movies. They've been around all my life. But I just... And yeah, once again, the uncanny valley-ness of it makes me think, yeah, the experience is a little weird. It's slightly off-putting. But the kid in me is overjoyed to see something like this, even just for the beginning. Just... It was cool. So, yeah. whatever its flaws, I'll... I'll allow it. It was really long, though. It, was it did a drag. Long, cold open. It did drag a bit because it didn't. I, I think the problem with it was I didn't feel like it accomplished a whole lot, except it set mm-hmm. up the MacGuffin in a pretty cool way. The MacGuffin. <laughs> the Dial of Death. That's what it is. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So it set up what it is, and it gave us a cool actiony opening, and. It's kind of cool, the idea of Indiana Jones was there at the fall of Berlin in 1945. He fought all these Nazis enough. So I enjoy seeing another chapter of his story that they glossed over between Last Crusade and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We get to see a little of the in-between of his life. We also see that flashback when he meets his friend Shaw when they're a little bit older and he's going crazy because of the dial and he asks Indy to destroy it that's I read that set before Crystal Skull so we're starting to fill in the little gaps here as well which yeah, that was we good put... I think he was a little bit DH there as well yes and it was just more subtle yes which is I good. think because they like gave him Irishman DH yes once they get a little older it's easier yeah for sure when you're, tr- when you're trying to make someone look 40 years younger as opposed to 20 it's tough it's tough yeah so, yeah, so this opening, like you said, was a little bit too long, probably, but I think it set the right tone for the movie. The sets were really cool to look at as well. The, just the whole vibe of the fall of Berlin, the bombs going, th- I love this part when the bomb comes through the mm-hmm. building and everybody's staring at it and then it just falls to the floor as yeah. in he's hanging off the noose. Like, yeah, this feels like an Indiana Jones movie. The uh, the lighting and shadows as well were reminiscent of the Spielberg, the cinematography, which isn't the kind of cinematography you see much anymore. I was looking up videos of what Raiders did at the time, and I just, one thing that's always stuck to me about Raiders from my childhood was the shadow work on it. You don't see movies use shadows like that anymore. Just the way people are lit in the harsh lighting, like a, like a film noir nearly. Which I was reading because it just makes are... it more cinematic with yes. the shadow lighting. I mean, the biggest exactly. comparison in modern day is Justice League versus the Snyder Cut. There's like yes. a still 
side by side. It's like a very famous YouTube video of, and it just shows Ben Affleck in the same scene where he's just completely just like fully exposed in the Josh Whedon cut and then the Snyder cut. And he just looks so much better in the Snyder cut. It's just, it's, it's wild to see just how like uncinematic the Whedon one is. It's just weird. It's just weird to see. It lo- It doesn't even look like you're watching a movie. It looks like behind the scenes footage. Yeah. That you'd capture. It's like a CW project. Boom. Anyway. <laughs> it, there's a difference between taking a camera and shooting something and using actual cinematography. Yeah. One feels like something I could make and the other feels like a film. Mm-hmm. This felt like... I don't want to say James Mangold. James Mangold does a good emulation of Spielberg here. Yeah. In that... It, it felt feels, like he tried his best. Yeah. It felt like a classic Indiana Jones movie with a modern coat of paint. Mm-hmm. Which is a great compliment, I think, because getting the, like, even Crystal Skull didn't capture the feeling of that because of the way that movie was shot at the time where digital was still coming into its own. Mm-hmm. And so the visual palette didn't feel the same things did like there was a lot more cgi than practical use so things didn't feel as tactile it just felt removed from the originals in a way this one didn't this feels more organically tied in Mm -hmm. which you know you could give the same people have lodged the same complaint against the prequels and that's one thing i will give the sequels is that effects wise they're also more reminiscent of the originals but feel more updated so Lucasfilm has done a great job at modernizing old worlds for new audiences. They're still very good at their yeah. craft that way. For sure. So we get into the modern era now after that cold open mm-hmm. where they jump off a train and Bowler definitely should have died right at the beginning. Yeah. That was I mean, it. They all should have died. well him specifically he got slammed in the head with a oh yeah yeah at the railway he should totally be dead and there's like no explanation on how he's alive no I thought that would tie into the plot where the like the dial would have saved him somehow or part like right who knows but I wonder like yeah I'm alive I wondered if maybe this was that cold open was going to be okay. Well, people theorize this is about time travel. Is this actually the ending of the movie? Are we coming back here later, wow. or something? I wondered about that. We didn't get that. But that was a bit predictable. I was predicting that too, and then it, something else happened later. We'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So the modern day, I had my back up just a little bit because of how legacy installments tend to treat their heroes later as as you and i have discussed many times so to see harrison ford or indy as the is the cranky alcoholic old man next door who's yelling at hippies his wife left him his son's not in the picture either he's getting you know he's a super boring lecturer he's retiring he's just drinking his sorrows away at the bar feeling like how other things have treated their legacy characters in the past, but also a little bit different, a a, a little better. And I think that's down to Harrison Ford's performance for me. Mm -hmm. 
Because even though the story is saying, okay, Indy's life has kind of gone to crap, Harrison Ford doesn't play him like a total out-on-his-luck loser. He's still got that emotional fortitude. He's just sadder now. And this is just. He still tries to get his. I think what saves that from being other legacy characters, he still tries to be that interesting teacher. He still has a passion for teaching, even though he's probably in his most depressive state. And he's trying to get the students involved, but they don't really care because they care more about the astronauts coming back from the moon landing. Yeah. But he's still just trying to do his job, probably his last day at that. And I love the detail where um, it's a totally different uh, university. Because he was f- actually no, that doesn't make sense. Because at the I just rewatched at the end of Crystal Skull, he was made associate dean. Oh, so yeah. maybe I thought maybe he was fired the in same university. He was yeah. fired at the very beginning, and at the very uh, end, okay. there's like a guy writing on a door, like Henry Jones uh, Jr. Associate Dean. Maybe it is like the that. same one. Maybe they updated it. Maybe I don't remember what city it could be. I don't remember what city they were supposed to be in in the originals, but. Right. Well, anyway, I like that lecturing scene because you could tell as soon as Helena started actually engaging him that he came back Mm -hmm. to life and got more, he started feeling more like Dr. Jones of old with his passion for archaeology when somebody actually gave a damn about it, about what he was saying. I enjoyed that Mm -hmm. quite a lot. So after that, he meets Helena and she explains about the dial and she tricks him into getting the dial, which maybe I should have seen coming. I don't know. I, I tend to just get invested in stuff. I don't try to look too far ahead. Right. Like, like, oh, she's like, oh, that's kind of cool. She's tr-, or she didn't want it for the reason I thought she did. She mm-hmm. was acting like. I, I, I thought she was th- going to want it because it was going to involve her dad and bring her dad back, but no, she wanted for money. And I was like, oh, okay. She's just that person. What, I think the part, that, the part that got me specifically, what I'm trying to communicate here, is that she came to him saying she wants the dial and she wants him to come with her to get it from the bottom of the river. And then he brings the dial to her. He's like, oh, actually, I didn't destroy it. I've had it this entire time and it's just been, I've been hiding it here and here's the dial. But she knew that all, all along, and the whole thing was a con to get that. She mm-hmm. never, that's the part that impressed me, because I thought, okay, yeah, she's probably going to use it for some nefarious purpose, or to sell it off to the highest bidder, or whatever, when they get it. But I thought the hook was, let's go back to Germany and go and get it in the river. But she actually knew he had it all along, and he was just, she was just playing on his guilt about abandoning her and her father, and what he did to them in the past. So that that sets her up as an interesting character right away. She's you can't trust her. But Indy's kind of compelled to help her out because she's his goddaughter and she after her father went crazy and died, he did kind of abandon her to whatever life she ended up leaving. Which mm-hmm. she found some success for herself, but came at a cost of some morality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the funny thing, too. I wonder where in his timeline where the dad died. Because would it have been after, spoilers, would have been before or after Mutt went into the military. 
Because for me, it would make sense if his if the dad died after Munt went to the military because he wouldn't want to take on the responsibility of another child again and potentially messing them up. Well, let's see about that. How old is Phoebe Waller-Bridge, you think? Oh, I don't know. Well, she was 10 years old around the time of... Oh, no, 12 when she was... When he last saw her before she grew up. And maybe that was... I don't know. 20 years, so 32, I'm going to guess, in the movie. Okay. Well, then that probably wouldn't quite line up because this is set in 1969, and I think the Vietnam War started in 60... Well, okay, it started in the 50s, but America got involved in the in 65 or 6. Right. So, Mutt died sometime in that three years. So I think she would have been too old. Mm-hmm. So he, he abandoned her a while back. Yeah. Which sucks oh, well. for her. But to be fair, this is also before he knew he, he probably abandoned her before he knew he even had a son. He wasn't really a family man at the time. Mm-hmm. And by the yeah. time that he was married to Marion and he had his family with Mutt, she was, Helena was probably long gone. Right. Yeah. So. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway. It, people, I love the little, I love the little the detail lines. though of the, uh. Of what the younger Phoebe Waller-Bridge or younger Helena, where they gave the actress uh, like a little birthmark on her forehead because that's oh, famously really? uh, like her actual birthmark. The ah. actress Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I was like, oh, that's a nice detail that they actually remember and care about. I like the attention to detail. So I thought Helena was interesting because once again, I've been burned many times by legacy installment characters usually the the shtick is you make the old guys weak and pathetic and look totally stupid and the young upstart usually uh usually a girl in these movies is usually way better smarter lectures the old the old guy the old hero on everything is just better all around and we're supposed to like them instantly and they're supposed to carry on the legacy. And then the movie bombs because you disrespected the old hero. You never got attached to the new one. And the franchise just dies. That's the trend. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a couple movies, Top Gun Maverick, off the top of my head, that do things well. And I think this one falls somewhere in the middle. In that it didn't disrespect Indy, but it didn't really make me like Phoebe Waller-Bridge either. As Helen, I, I'm very mixed on her. I grew on her more as the movie went, but I also kind of respect that they made her worse by design. She's yeah. actually an equal to Indy. She's not, yeah, she lectures him on occasion and they butt heads like, you know, I kind of feared and expected going in, but I was pl- pleased to see that Indy fought back. <laughs> he had... Yeah. Uh, they had a, a back and forth. She never one-upped him fully throughout. He had things to teach her because she was too arrogant. And she, at the same time, made him acknowledge, yeah, he is an old man and maybe a little out of touch. And she knows a couple things by being a scrappy, street smart, street smart person. He's, you know, maybe a little bit out of, or a little bit rusty. So they both had good points. And but I like that they made him the moral center of the film and a strong protagonist too. Because one of my favorite scenes is after 
to illustrate this is when they're on the scuba diving ship and Mm -hmm. his friend gets shot and killed. Yeah. And then when they, yeah. And when they escape the thing and Helena's cheering with Teddy, she's like, yeah, we got away. Look at how brilliant I was. I blew them up and we got away. That's fantastic. And he's like, my friend was murdered. So that scene to me is James Mangold saying, hey, Hollywood, this is how you do scenes like this. Because yes. most of the times when there's like little adventure films like that and the friend gets shot, you forget about it right away or the character does not react to it at all. Where in this movie, Indiana's like, I haven't like processed this yet. Can I like, <laughs> can yeah. I get a moment here? Like my friend just died. We had a brief and, win, but we also had a loss. Let's ruminate on that yeah. a second. Don't start celebrating you. And I like how Helena, too. I actually surprisingly really liked Helena. I was going to this thing. I was going to hate her because I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She's great in Fleabag, but I thought she was going to be a joke fest. Like literally telling jokes left, right and center. And she tells a few here and there, but she does have a lot of serious moments as well. And the way she played her character, she was kind of this cocky attitude, also pretty flirtatious with a bunch of different men. I mean, there's a whole side plot of this kind of stalker ex-fiance where he, she didn't really want to marry him. It was more so for to get closer to him for money. And there's this great joke where she says, he's like, it's like you, you even took off your reins. Like, yeah, I didn't sell that much. <laughs> That's <laughs> to me. So that was off. pretty funny. I feel like that but guy's going to get memed. Yeah. When he's like he's when they're driving in the, when they're the driving Sigma in the car and Helena! Helena! Like how yeah. many times did he yell her name when they're Helena! driving in the car? That's that's going to be a thing. Yeah. But I really like their chemistry and I you kind of believe even though they're not blood related, you could believe that they are related in yes. some ways cuz they kind of both come from the same background. But that scene alone on the boat is probably one of my favorites because she isn't like an absolute asshole. She's just like, I'm sorry. Where they, and they finally have like one of their first serious moments. And then they get to a pretty cool, um, like clue reveal scene where it's like, what is this made of wood and wax? Like, Oh, and they melt it. Yes. And they find like that to me was a, like a Spielberg moment. This is too heavy like, for wood. Yeah. Yeah. That felt to me, like that was classic. Yeah. A very, very Indiana Jones. It's so weird because I do like this movie. But there is something missing from it because I think it's James Mangold trying his best to be Spielberg. To do, to, yeah, to be faithful to Spielberg's vision. But again, nobody can direct like Spielberg can. There's something in the way he does shots and the way he does his editing or his editing team, I should say. There, you can't beat it. And that's. Some people, I've heard some people hate this movie because they think it's dull and it's just too modern of a, the way it's shot. What do you want a movie shot like to the, the old 80s? ones? Yeah, I mean, they want to compare it to like the long, the bit of a longer takes, not so jump cutty, the wider shots and all that. But it's just a modern film that just so happens to have Indiana Jones in it. And I think James Mangold did a pretty decent job. Is it missing a little bit of that Spielberg magic? Yes, but he he's not Spielberg. Look, I think, and once again, I'm going to compare this to Star Wars because I love comparing Lucasfilm things on this podcast. We do it all the time. 
I think he did a better job with what he was given than someone like J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson because they, what they did on their sequels was J. I'll, I'll pick on J.J. Abrams specifically right now just because of the comparison. But J.J. Abrams, of course, he, he loved Star Wars. That's very obvious in what he did in Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker. He's a big Star Wars fan. That's very clear. But J.J. Abrams basically took the power he was given and remade A New Hope with The Force Awakens. He, he gave it a modern skin. He put his own slight touches on it. But at the end of the day, it was basically a remake of that movie. And it was an entertaining movie, don't get me wrong. But there didn't, it lacked originality. And even George Lucas called it out for, there's nothing new here, I believe George said about it. This movie is like James Mangold trying to emulate Spielberg. He's got that respect for Spielberg, but he's also trying to push the story forward to somewhere it's never been. He's trying to tell a new story with Indiana Jones, something we haven't seen before that feels like something out of the past. So I think Mangold found a Okay, now I'll pick on Ryan Johnson and said that instead of revering the past, he went way too far trying to avoid it, trying to put his own spin on things so much that it didn't, it didn't really feel in line with the story at all. James Mangold threaded that perfect balance for Indy 5 where he did his own thing, but also did the past thing too. How effectively he did it, well, that's what we're kind of debating here. It was, it did lack that certain Spielberg magic, but I don't fault him for most of what he tried to do here. I thought he he did a good job overall Mm -hmm. as a director. The other scene I felt was pretty classic indie was the scene where they're in the cave of Dionysus, the ear of Dionysus, and he finds out and he's looking around the room and they're choking on the methane gas. And then he sees that pool of water, and then he remembers our committee's thing was displacement of water. It's like, oh, we got to mm-hmm. throw the stones in the water, and that'll set off a chain reaction. That, yep, that was pretty pitch perfect as well. That was pretty good. Love scenes like that. Yeah, I think there's a clip of me saying something, or like a little spot of me saying something on the podcast where I hope they do some Greek myth stuff. Yes. I feel like that'd be cool, and they did. This, I didn't know anything about, I didn't know what the story was going into Indy 5. So when they started talking about Archimedes and Dionysus, I was like, oh, I'm a little excited. But then they didn't really go that far into it, but that's okay. Um, they didn't even have the gall to do the scene where he runs naked through the streets and after sitting in the bathtub. You know that story? What story? Okay, so the classic story about Archimedes, they say, legend goes, is, well, you know how they, like the water displacement theory where water, I think effectively, you put something in water, water displaces everything around it, and that's what makes things float. Archimedes is the one who basically figured out how floating works. And the story goes, he he was just going for a bath one day, he was just sitting in his bathtub... And then he real he's he sat in his bathtub and all the water displaced around him and that's when he, and flew over the side as he sat down in it and he's like Eureka that's his famous line and then he gets off out of the bathtub and runs naked through the streets shouting Eureka because he figured out how floating works I don't know if that's true that's but really that's funny the, but that's the story everyone knows about Archimedes he did say Eureka in this movie he did which I was like ah. 
Yeah. I didn't realize that's where it came from, too, or probably came from. Yeah. The term Eureka. But yeah, well, I liked the I liked when they were um like cave spelunking in there. That felt pretty classic Indiana Jones, especially when they went into the Archimedes uh resting place. And it was starting to I liked the mystery behind it, like why are there dragons with propellers? Why is he wearing a watch? The anachronisms really were badass into it. Loved it. Yeah. I was getting really, really invested into it. It's ugh, it's just so weird. It's just like I don't know what's missing from this movie except, okay, so I think like the magic moments that I'm thinking about like in Raiders or in Last Crusade is when they're talking about the specific items, like the Ark and the Covenant and the um, uh, Cup of Christ, the Holy Grail, Holy Grail. There's not, there's not a scene like this, like in those movies where they're explaining what the item is what the people believed about it back then. But I don't think that's a fault on this movie. It's just more so in this movie, it's like, oh, it's the Dial of Destiny or whatever. They, it's called the Dial of Destiny in the movie movie title, but it's called something else here. Something like it's like got 14 syllables in it. They were very vague about what it did. Now, if you yeah. kept and I up think on- that's what's missing about it, where it's like it's too vague of an item for moat like a lot of the audience yeah. to get super invested in okay we have to get this before the nazis do now I'll tell you here what. it's just like we have to get this item before the nazis because they're nazis not because this item can do yeah mystical things now i'll tell you what i think the problem is going based on your line of reasoning here what they did was earlier on in the movie they said okay well whoever holds this thing won't have the power of a king emperor fear he'll have yeah. the power of god Okay, sets it up interesting. And then later in the movie, they say this dial shows the way to fissures in time. And they have a couple of dates written down where big things happen. The invasion of Poland was one of them. And like a week from the time they saw the numbers, mm-hmm. they, so they, they said fissures in time. I don't know if that was enough for general audiences. You and I are film people. Yeah. We, we look into a lot of the news and the rhetoric around this movie said it was about time travel. He said Fishers in Time. I thought, oh, okay, the rumors were right. The movie is about time travel. That's what it's going to be. That's what the dates are about. For people just watching this with no context, I don't know if they would pick up on what that's really about until they get to the tombs and see the propellers and the watches or actually go through the crack of time itself. I don't think they really built up very well what it did uh, unless you're like us and kind of heard the rumors. I think that's the main problem with it too. And I think, I do think it was on purpose. I don't think it was a miss by James Mangold because there is a particular dialogue scene where Indiana Jones says something like, I don't believe in magic, but it's what I've come to learn over the years. It's not what you believe. It's how hard you believe it. Yeah. So at this point, it's just kind of like, I've seen so much crap that <laughs> yeah. I don't need, I don't need to deny anything at this point. But I, I feel like a scene like that would have really helped this movie capture some of the magic where it's like, well, the locals believed blah, 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 blah. Yes. Anyway. I did, I did not it. think the only callback we were going to get was a Temple of Doom. I did not think that. Where it's like, have you ever drank the blood of Kali? I, I like, think we got a lot of callbacks. That's the only callback? 
<laughs> I think we got a lot of callbacks in this movie. I mean, that was the <sighs> only. I mean, verbal that... callbacks. I'm, that's what I mean. Verbal like, callbacks. I'm not talking yeah. about like Sala or Marion at the end. Spoilers, but we also got you know we got a shout out to Mud as well. That's the whole thing about King, even Chris, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull got acknowledged. Yeah. So I, I think this movie respects mm-hmm. the whole of the indie history, or even like when he's like, "Oh, that's my dad's watch. You stole my dad's yeah. watch." Like, yeah, acknowledging Henry Jones Sr. This is a bit nitpicky for me, but from what I remember, his dad had a pocket watch, not a wristwatch. Right. So I was like, "Mm." wasn't there something about the watch, though, in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? I could swear I remember a scene where he had the watch or something. It wasn't like blatant. They right. weren't like this. My father's watch. Like, like I were... just rewatched those two movies back okay. to back, like a couple days ago. Like, wasn't there a watch so, on his desk? Like he was looking at a picture, and the watch was there, or something like that. Just I'm stretching my memory. Sure, back. sure, but he's, yeah, it's not like yeah. I guess it's subtle, but yeah. So, I liked how world weary Harrison Ford is in this. I mean, Harrison Ford's just known for being that way in life, but he plays mm-hmm. it so well. I believe this is an Indiana Jones who's seen everything, basically, and he's like, yeah, I'm not even phased by time travel, because, Mm -hmm. of course, why why would I be? Everybody else is. But actually, no, that's the good part, because when he actually does travel through time, he does light up and is amazed again for the first time, because he's like, oh, shit, I'm in the past. This is what I've been studying my whole life. I think what saves this movie is the final act. Where That's they could have done, they could have done the entire jumping through time. We're going. Oh, now we're back to Raiders timeline. Now we're at the Temple of Doom. That like they could have done something Pulled so gimmicky game. like that. Yeah. Okay. Relax. <laughs> um, That's what that movie was. It was a victory lap against all the greatest hits. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what they did though when they. St- like before they go into the the portal and Indiana, like he figures it out again. Cause he's just, he's got like an IQ of 200. Like your calculations are wrong. Like they're completely wrong. And then didn't know the about end, continental shift. Yeah. And then in the end, Matt Mickelson's character, like right before they go through, he's, he wants to turn back and it adds that tension. It was like, okay, what timeline we're going to. And then they go back to, um, Invasion of Syracuse, I think they said it was. Yeah, Invasion of Syracuse, BC. and I was like, oh my fucking god. That shocked me when I was watching. I was like, they did not just go all the way back to BC, every archaeologist's yeah. like, dream. Like Pretty To much. me, that was shocking, and I really thought they were about to kill off Indiana Jones. I really thought they were going to do it. Yep. I was like, man, he he's been shot. shot for over 30 minutes now. <laughs> I guess he was just going on adrenaline that whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible. Or I mean, it, it was... depends too. Like, if the not to get like, I'm not a fucking doctor, but if the bullet just stayed in his chest, he's yeah. probably like, he's probably in less danger than if it went all the way through because that's two exit wounds bleeding out. But if the bullet's still there or something, well, I guess uh, it's, it's the weird. same. I guess it's the same reason. If you ever get stabbed, you're not supposed to pull the knife out. Don't pull it out, no. Because they need to start bleeding. Mm-hmm. You got the bullet in the body keeps the pressure. So, yeah. But also, he, uh, like he said, he's been shot like nine times. So once by your father. Yeah. 
which was like a weird callback because that was like an hour ago in terms of like movie <laughs> timeline, if you think about it. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I like, I liked the ending. I, I kind of liked it was kind of a fake out where, cause so much of the Hollywood bullshit is just like, fine, I'll leave you here against your wishes, even though it doesn't make sense where this is why I love Helena. She goes, yeah, and I have to do this. Just knocks him out. It's like, oh, you know what I love about that knockout? The punch effect. Not the punch effect, but the way she did it. She like wound up her shoulder and gave in yeah. the same swivel punch. He's given, I don't even know how many people and all the, mm-hmm. like that's his iconic punch. Nobody punches yeah. quite like that. Like he's got a very specific thing and she did it back to him, which I like, I love that. Mm-hmm. That was good. Very yeah. good choice there. But I also, I liked I was, how the, I liked how the Romans were like the dragons and <laughs> like just giant Nazi planes. They were shooting their bolts in the sky, trying mm. to take it down. And I love how the uh, the one guy who was uh, the one Nazi Boyd, grunt Boyd Holbrook, he was yeah. he was he got on the machine gun and started shooting at the Romans. Mm-hmm. Just I wish he had more to do in this movie besides yeah. just be a grunt. I thought he was yeah. I assumed he'd be more he was, than a henchman because he was excellent in Logan. Yeah, like he's an excellent henchman in Logan, and so I was going to compare him to that. But now he's just—he's just kind of a hothead, like shoot first, ask questions later. Grunt in this, you know. Mind you, his he wasn't performance, the focus, yeah. but mind you, his great. performance made the character more memorable than yeah. he otherwise might have been. Uh, I also like that they got a big guy. Yeah, they got a gigantic guy. They always need a giant in these movies. Mm-hmm. And so, just like you don't even see him die, you just know he just drowned to death. You're like, oh my god, that is the worst way. That was brutal. <laughs> that he That's ha- brutal. I think Teddy handcuffed him to that thing too. Mm-hmm. He did. That's. I was half expecting him to like break the gate because he's so huge, and then come back later. Nope. Yeah, he's dead. That was a good death scene. That was a, one of the more brutal, arguably one of the more brutal deaths in the whole franchise. I would not say that. <laughs> Drowning is one of my most horrific ways to die. Right. And to go like that where you're just trapped and you can't even swim back, there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be more brutal if they held on it. Like if they waited till he like ran out of breath and it's just like him floating. That would have been insane. But yeah, I guess kids watch this movie too. Well, for me, men- for me mentally, that's, that's up there. I... Ugh. I don't think anything beats that propeller scene, though, in Raiders. Uh, no. No. Um, well, I think people are... You like the ending. I think it's going to be very controversial. This is going to be one of those love it or hate it things. And I think... Yeah, for sure. Which is funny to me, because I always say, and I think I even said it in our last Indiana Jones episode, that I don't understand why people think the Ark of the Covenant imbued as a a radio to god and you open it and these ghosts fly out and start melting people's faces and blowing their heads up is any worse than aliens or time travel like what Mm -hmm. what's the line here (laughs) or the holy grail itself existing what's because religion's real and aliens aren't anyway Whatever. We have Indiana Jones movies for all types now. The religious people and the uh, and the sci-fi nerds, I guess. Yeah, and time travel. Yeah. Well, that's falls under sci-fi. Yeah. 
But yeah, the, I think the reason I like this is just because it's a different way to do time travel and not in the sense of like they do something insane, but they're just like, hey, we got calculations wrong and now we're in Rome. Mathematically, these fissures open up at certain times and are certain yeah. gateways and they just figure it out. OK, this is where and when to access them. Here's what I'm confused, though. I don't because it was kind of a shock revealed near the end i don't understand mad mickelson's plan so he wants to go back to the invasion of poland okay yeah kill hitler i enjoyed this so he can rule the nazis this that was is one that of my, what it is that was one of my favorite parts just because of how subversive it was in my mind so in the in the whole everybody thinks that he wants this dial to go back and so so that he can help hitler win the war because he's bitter right. that the Nazis lost. He had a humiliating defeat. He lost all his honor, and now he's a lackey for the American government doing their space program, mm-hmm. whatever. But he wants to, everyone thinks he wants to go back and help the Nazis win the war. But then he reveals, yes, that is what he wants to do, but really he's going back in time to kill Hitler because he was basically right. like, you know what? Hitler was an idiot. I've been around since the start. Oh, he did. Yeah, he did say, like, you guys didn't win. Hitler lost. And a part of me, like, in the theater, because I'm such, like, a history nerd, especially with World War II, where I was like, technically, yes. (laughs) He's like, I saw all his... He did try to fight a war on two fronts, like an idiot. Yep. He, He did a lot of things. He also, you know, didn't break ties with the Japanese when they bombed Pearl Harbor, so then the Americans came in. On another, on the yeah. on the Western Front as well, he did. He tried to invade Russia during winter. Yeah, he like made a idiot. lot of. Yeah, <laughs> and he also kept his attention turned inward, with yeah. um, like with social issues at the time. And he's like, well, if you focus more on fighting outward than, on like on on the Holocaust, mm-hmm. which either way it's awful, and he would have done it whether he won or not, but he divided his focus is the point. Which, yeah, yeah, he wasn't a great tactician that way. But I just, I just like that even the Nazis plan is I have a time machine. I'm going back to kill Hitler. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's what surprised me was like, yeah, I think that wasn't like, I that's what I assumed he was thinking. I just didn't feel like it, it was explained that well. I thought they explained it. Why do you want to go? Like, why do you want to go back and kill Hitler? And then he says some line that isn't super clear about like, I don't know, maybe because James Mangold didn't want it to be like too over the top where it was like, so I can take over the Nazis and be the leader. You know, it is very subtle, but a part of me was just confused. I don't know if it was because I love Mads Mikkelsen, but he mumbles a lot. (laughs) he's kind of a bit of a mumbler but i will say he is the guy to go to when your franchise is down and you need a good villain actor (laughs) agreed i think the problem wasn't the explanation but that they didn't put that explanation till the third act of the movie yeah if you put that on the second act yeah if you put that up top top. when they were when they before they found out who indy was and they were killing the people in the uh, at the university and he was sending his goons after yeah. Indy. If you were doing, if you knew what his motivation was way earlier, that would have been better. It's the same complaint we have about the Dial of Destiny itself. You didn't really say what it did. 
or what it's doing. Mm-hmm. We don't really know why the villain's doing what he's doing. We're just assuming. So they yeah. make it into a reveal when they should have just told us up front. I'm like, this is interesting, but it wasn't good enough to be a reveal. Just, just tell us. Exactly. And it yeah. would have made the movie better. You just needed some restructuring. Really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that ending with him going in the history... In- they just need it to be a bit restructured just so it could feel like a classic Indiana Jones movie where it feels like a modern adventure archaeological movie with Indiana Jones in it. But I think the whole thing with Indiana Jones is there needs to be that level of magic and mystery and the sort of race against the clock against the bad guys to get the certain thing. And that's what I think is missing from this movie. I still actually yeah. really enjoy this movie, which um, partly things- because. I don't want to go too yeah. far from what we're talking about right yeah. now, but for his last movie, John Williams fucking nailed it. He, I was, I took me back to when I was a kid watching these movies. Even the chase scenes, they sound like really well composed chase scene music. I can't even think of a movie in the last 10 years that has good chase scene music. I'm not one to notice music normally, but. John Williams scores have always stood out, if only because the way music's done nowadays is it's nearly composed to blend into a scene. You're supposed to be feeling things without really noticing it. John Williams has always taken the opposite approach. The more classic music is right in your face. The, The action's in your face. You're watching it, but you're also paying attention to the music, too. And it's very bold and striking for your ears and i i have to listen to it again but like you said even other john williams scores in the last 10 years haven't stood out to me like this one except maybe the fablemans i really like that one but he did fablemans that's awesome yeah but oh you did yes 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 you told me about that yeah this one felt like his 80s heyday (laughs) it it felt like i was once again going back to that first 20 minutes right those opening texts with that john williams score Right on top of that, like, ooh, I'm watching an Indiana Jones movie. Just yeah. right off top. The whole, honestly, I, I think John Williams creates the vibe. Without Williams, you don't, yeah. you, you don't get, like, any magic in this movie that feels like the originals is mostly down to Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I completely agree. I think he definitely saves this movie a little bit. It's so funny, though, the first time you hear, like, the classic Indiana Jones. <laughs> theme is when Indiana Jones is running on the train but you can completely tell it's a CGI character just like (laughs) boing 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 (laughs) and maybe it's because I was in like the IMAX theater but I was just watching being like ugh (laughs) (laughs) but it was still it was fine it's just like it's not even a nitpick I just thought it was funny I didn't even love this I think another thing that might be missing is like I know there was that cold opening of him, but there's yeah. not a like an Indiana Jones fist fight scene. You know what I mean? There's not like yeah. him being too physical. Yeah. But that also has to do with his age as well. But uh It wouldn't have felt as believable. He did punch a lot of guys out though. He did. I think he's just yeah. more efficient in his old age. He doesn't get into fist mm-hmm. fights. He knocks him out with one punch and is done with it. Yeah. I, yeah, it's just another thing, like, what made Indiana Jones specials, like, oh, there's, like, a couple of good fight scenes, the chasing, da-da-da-da. I did like that chase, I like the aesthetic of the first chase scene where they're in Chicago, Morocco. I think, oh, wherever they are. Yeah. Boston? Some, somewhere in eastern, eastern U.S. Yeah. 
and they're running through. It's the parade of the astronauts. You actually see them when you ride by them. And yeah. just the confetti coming down. I really like that aesthetic. Yeah, it was memorable. It's pretty striking mm-hmm. stuff. Even though the sky looked fake as shit, but... <laughs> yeah. Like hazy Eastern America. I like seeing the horse in the, in the subway tunnels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was funny. That was a good visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder how much of Harrison Ford was actually on a horse. Because there was definitely some shots he was on a horse, but like... I'm sure he's an old man. I don't think he's going top speed on a horse at this age. <laughs> I think Harrison Ford did a lot of his stunts in this movie. Oh, for sure. Which he's very impressive for, I think he's mm-hmm. 80 now. Yeah, it's gotta be. I think I've heard Indiana Jones is supposed to be a little younger than him, so Indy was supposed to be 70 in this movie or so. From what I read, he's not probably Harrison yeah. Ford's he's age. He's not the same, yeah. But even for a 70-year-old guy and he still holds his own pretty well. Although mm-hmm. I, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they're climbing up the rocks in the in the ear of Dionysus and and Helena's like, why, why aren't you moving? Just just go on. Why are you stopped? Yeah. You, haven't, you haven't moved in 10 minutes. I've been shot nine times. I got a plate in my leg. My vertebrae is shattered. I'm just... I got screws <sighs> in my ankle. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I like the acknowledgement that he's not he's not young anymore. They didn't maybe there were a, they didn't overplay it. No, I mean maybe there were you could argue there were a few too many jokes, whatever. But they at least acknowledged it and didn't harp on it to the point of being annoying. It's like yeah, mm-hmm. he's older. He he can't do what he used to, but look at him. Have some respect. He's still doing better job than you or I would. Oh, for sure. I liked uh, I liked Antonio Banderas for the yeah. short time he was there. I thought like, and this is the dumb like me where he's like, I got this old friend in Spain who knows how to dive. And I was like, short round? And I was like, no, there's no way it's him. And then Antonio Banderas is there. I was like, oh, I remember seeing him in that one still in the trailer. And I thought his character was a lot of fun. It's so funny because it's like the same voice he uses for Puss in Boots. It's uh. like one for one. <laughs> but and I thought he was he was a fun character it was a good appearance I like the scuba diving scene one of my favorite mm. bits is just before that when somebody compared eels to snakes and Indy was like what yeah no they're not <laughs> <laughs> I hate eels so that scene had me like squealing in my in my chair because there's this one video that's burned into my memory of like a free diver and he's just looking down this hole and he sees the eel and the eel sees him and that just slowly comes up to him and then just it's like the perfect like way to have someone be scared of like the ocean it's like i have that fear i have that phobia i don't remember what it's called but i learned it's an actual thing of just it's not fear of swimming it's just a fear of what could be in the ocean while you're swimming and there's just like pictures of it and oh that's the most disturbing thing I've got that fear too. Like there was that animated, there's that animated um, Netflix movie that came out a couple of years ago, like something with sea monsters. And there was a clip of like these two pirates, like in the water and they look down. And it's just this giant red sea monster staring up at them. And then the worst thing ever happens where it doesn't come towards them, but it backs up away and then you don't see it anymore. Mm. Oh, I hated that. That's, that's terrible. Mm hmm. 
What else? What else? What else? Uh, I was actually pretty sad that Mutt died. Yeah. Because I was like, going into the movie, I was like, don't kill off Mutt and Marion. Don't kill off Mutt and Marion. I'm going to be pissed if I, you do. If they killed off Marion, I was going to leave. And even when they said separated, I'm like, damn you, movie. You're already being what I, I don't want you to be. You ruined so mad. Crystal Skull's ending. It was a good ending. Yeah. Here's the thing. I liked... I didn't, I didn't like at first that they just killed off the character off screen because of... I mean, Shia LaBeouf's not a great person. We talked about this. Yeah. But I'm not a fan of just killing off characters just because. Despite their actors. The way... Yeah. The way the timeline works in the in this franchise, I believed it. Where yeah. his son wants to prove himself because his dad's a war hero. He wants to sign up and have the same glory, which I assume at the time a lot of American kids wanted to have that same glory as their parents at, at the same time. Nam was supposed to be there World War II. And then they come mm-hmm. home and get spat on. Yeah. And um I think it's a great scene too how it's explained where what would you do with the dial is like I would go back and tell my son not to enlist because he would die and Harrison Ford gets so emotional when saying yeah. that I was like oh my god I'd never seen that yeah he I has so much say- passion and care for this character and the world around it where again I've said this before when Harrison Ford cares about something he can act like one of the greatest and I think Yep. The way they use Mutt's death in this and how they said uh, Marion had so much grief that Indiana Jones didn't know how to deal with it because he is a man of, you know, of the past. You know, mental health is not a big, wide known thing to accept back in the day. You push it down and you keep going. You live with it. Mm-hmm. Men of the past and it don't. got too much. Yeah. You don't deal with your feelings. You just, you bury them and move on. And when you and when they uh, when Marion comes back at the end, which I was very happy with. Yes. When I saw her, I was like, there's still that subtext of tension between them where they still love each other, but they've been through so much crap and so much grief with each other that they kind of look at each other with a sense of both love and sadness. But one of my favorite like subtle jokes in that final scene is when because at the beginning he puts the magnet over her face. But when she's mm. putting groceries away, he takes the magnet off the face. I didn't notice that. Like, before she can see it. Yeah, so funny. I, I just caught it. Yeah. That's brilliant. And then um, then there's the callback, like, well, where doesn't it hurt? And then in, they're back to being young again. And I love, it's I love really that. It's really cute. That was so yeah. good. I thought it was a great scene to sort of end off the franchise, quote unquote. Yeah. So I was really sad to see Mutt die, but it's like you were saying, I was... I was annoyed at the beginning when they first said, they were talking about, oh, he's a, he's a murderer on the news and he, his wife left him and he mm-hmm. lost his son. I'm like, damn it, you killed off Mutt, you bastards. Yeah. And then later- I thought in- that was going to be the only like saying of it where it was like, yeah. oh, and his son died. I thought they weren't going to acknowledge it at all for the rest of the movie, but then they did. And then, and then later he talks about, oh, my son enlisted and he never said Vietnam, but I'm like, oh, yeah. You can all assume. <laughs> and then I, I, I kind of softened and I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Fine, I buy that. I, I buy that he enlisted in Nam. He was of the age in the era. This was a thing was, that yeah, happened. When was Vietnam again? It was fifty. Well, I think the French. Oh, what was it? I think the French fought in Nam in from like fifty 
nine to sixty five, and then the Americans okay, were yeah. there from sixty five to seventy five or so. This yeah. was sixty nine. Because I was trying to remember. Because I was trying to remember if it, they were still fighting when the astronauts came back. Because yeah. when the it way was, Indiana gets away, where it says, "Hell no, we won't go," because I think was there a draft? I don't think was there a draft. Not at that point. No. So it was, was halfway through. It was halfway yeah. through. Them. Maybe it was just other kids being like, no, nah, we're not going to find your bullshit war. Yeah. Which at the time, yeah, it was pretty bullshit. Yeah. But I mean, at the, at the time, Mudd enlisted, he was, well, he enlisted. Mm-hmm. He, was, he, he wasn't forced yeah. there. He was going to prove a point. But yeah, so I was sad when Mutt died and when Marion separated from him. But I, I really enjoyed the ending when Marion came back. I did half expect it in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, if this movie is going to try to be the ending for Indiana Jones and it actually a crowd pleaser, they're going to end up with, with her coming back by the last scene. And I was right at that, mm-hmm. which I was glad for. Cause if she didn't come back at all, I was going to be actually livid, <laughs> but yeah, I was going to lose my shit. I so thought Kihi Kwan was going to show up cause yeah. he showed up on set multiple times. He's at this height now where I bet if this movie came out a year later, they would have done reshoots where he would have made a cameo somewhere. Yeah. Maybe in Indiana Jones six. <laughs> Who knows where she teams up with short round where Helena and short round team up for an adventure. I'd watch that. Oh gosh. Yeah, I would. It's just only if he was in it. I don't, I don't care enough about Helena right now for a spinoff, but Yeah. That's the thing, because I could feel the wanting to make a spinoff with Helena and Teddy. Yeah. Where part of me is like, okay, I get Teddy as a character, but I just don't like him. <laughs> like, he's not bad or anything. He was fine. He's just sidekick. kind of like, he's just kind of this, yeah, fun now, sidekick where they don't try to make him like short round, but they try to give him this kind of pseudo backstory that he's poor. And then these rich kids make fun of him for having a straw hat, which... <laughs> I don't know what rich kid is going to another country and being like, hey, look what this kid's wearing. What an idiot. But I don't know. Yeah. Well, one thing I'll... I'm going to defend Helena, her behavior somewhat, and say that I don't think Indiana Jones fans should be... Don't get too on your high horse because you got to remember at the start of Indy's character arc in Temple of Doom, he was a dick too. She actually mm-hmm. had a lot of similarities to how he was in Temple of Doom. Just kind of the oh, for sure. nonchalant. He was full on ready to stab Willie like in the kidney to yeah. get like a diamond. <laughs> he was very nonchalant, mostly was self-centered, cared about putting things in the museums, but was more in it for the fame and glory at the time, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. He, wasn't, he wasn't as moralistic as he would become even by Raiders. So at this yeah. point in her career, Helena's like proto Indy was at, in Temple of Doom, 1935-ish. So we've seen Indy be this jerk before. She can have a really awesome character arc down the line. I just, I just think people are going to harp on her being the oppor- this opportunistic uh, con woman and ignore that Indiana Jones wasn't a whole lot better at the start of his career. So don't be hypocrites. You can dislike her for a lot of other reasons, but yeah, it's weird. Cause I like, I really like this movie, but again, there's just something missing. (laughs) And I think we've explained it well. 
However, we, I think we both agree on this. James Mangold cannot make a bad movie. I think, I think he did pretty well here. And I've seen some reviews where it's like six out of 10 or three out of 10. And I'm like, did we watch the same movie? And it's more so people who are reviewing it. They're from that eighties time. Like they grew up with those and they're, they're wanting that, but it's just like, it's not a bad, like, it's not a bad like movie. Like I, crap on the flash a bunch but it's still a very well directed movie like it's still yeah. a well-made movie in my eyes this movie does have its problems it is a bit slow at parts but it's still a well-directed movie with a lot of great emotional parts and not super cheesy dialogue there's no cgi monkey swinging so there's that is there one too many eels in that sequence probably but it's the fear factor right so yeah. i don't know yeah, well i liked said. it yeah. I was going into it thinking like this is gonna be so bad. <laughs> I I just, I just had a fear, but hey, they still. I think it. Uh, I think it also. It's just because it's James Mangold, it's Harrison Ford doing his best, and I think it's John Williams doing his best. I think those three all together just made a pretty a pretty good try. All right, so my laundry list of stuff I did not want to see in this movie. I didn't want to see. In the time, Ameri- travel. <laughs> <laughs> time travel. <laughs> I was on the fence about that one. <laughs> and I'm still a little bit mixed on it, to be honest, but I'm not. It's like I was saying this whole time. I can't pretend like weird stuff hasn't happened in Indiana Jones before. So I don't know why the time travel feels weird to me. It shouldn't. Right. But something about him actually going to the past was like, well, in the past, these ancient things they were they came to him he he found things and they were in his era but this feels like it's going one step further by actually putting him into the weirdness and having him meet our committees i digress my i didn't i didn't want to see him separate with marion they got back together so that was fine uh i didn't want to see mutt die that happened mm-hmm. those are the main things that happened that i didn't want to see i didn't I didn't really want to see like the whole thing be de-aged or have them yes. go or have them go too much back to that. So I'm glad I remember one of the first draft. Well, I don't know if it was a draft, but I remember the, the rumor going around for what this movie was going to be was that that de-aging thing happened. And then Helena gets the dial of destiny and writes Indiana Jones out of history or something. And she was going to be the protagonist of the movie and Harrison Ford was, basically going to be a glorified cameo that rumor circulated a whole lot about a year ago kathleen kennedy's draft (laughs) yeah it was probably her notes well what if this happened i heard a rumor where she wants the next Indiana jones to be a girl just because phoebe waller like not yeah (laughs) they just a, a woman should just take over and not to say a woman couldn't but, like, she just wants that to happen because, hey, Ray worked out. So, Helena is a lot better than Ray. I'll give you, I'll, I'll say that for sure. Oh, for sure. And I think fact. it comes across where it's also. She's a three dimensional character again, who actually had an arc. Yeah. She's got a good. And it's tie also, to I'm Indy. not shitting on, I'm not shitting on Daisy Ridley whatsoever. No, I think no, she no, did no. pretty good. But Phoebe Waller Bridge is amazing. She's a multiple Emmy winner. I think she's a Golden Globe winner. I could be wrong. Um, She's just great. She has great comedic timing. If you haven't watched Fleabag, go watch it. 
It's phenomenal. It's like fourth wall break the movie. Hmm. The movie. It's a show. It's only two seasons because she famously was like, yeah, I only had two seasons in mind. This is all I could think of that I thought would be really good. And I want to move on. Hmm. And people are like, oh, okay. Interesting. That's fine. Actually, I think, oh, what the funny thing was, Fleabag first was like a stage play. It was a stage play first, and then people liked it so much that they turned it to a TV show. I see. I haven't watched Fleabag, but I think this is the first thing I've ever seen her in. She was yeah. very she was very charismatic. It's like a, it's about uh, a woman who's kind of in, she's not, not a midlife crisis, but she's, I think she's in her 30s or almost 40s. And it's about her kind of sex life, but also dealing with her family life as well. Hmm. And and she it's it's very funny. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I wasn't uh Olivia Coleman's in it. Really? Mm-hmm. She's in a lot now. She's in so it. much. I see her everywhere. I know. It's so funny because she was in so much and then she won the Oscar and then she's in so much more. It's it's like the strangest thing. You go back and watch stuff and you're like, Oh, she's in this. That's wild. I'm watching Secret Invasion right now, she's in that. Yeah, I haven't seen the second episode yet, but she's still in it. She's still okay. Yeah. <laughs> she's not a one good. She's not a one scene cameo. Thank God. No. Is no. the second episode better than the first? Yes. Or is it on par? Okay. Good. Not much better, mind you, but it is an improvement. At least an improvement. Okay. Yeah. Be look out for that close up episode. Probably in a few weeks. Not a few weeks. Four. Four weeks. Whenever it. Four finishes. five. Whatever. I can't do math. Yeah. Uh, what else do I have to say about this? Uh, oh, yeah, I was going down my laundry list. I didn't want to see him try to do too many stunts because it would have mm-hmm. been it would have felt unbelievable. I think they found an OK balance. He didn't do anything that I was like. Yeah, you can't do that because I think Harrison Ford was yeah. doing most of his own stunts. So I'm not going to say you're too old to do that when he's actually doing it because mm-hmm. that's just living in denial. It still feels a little bit like. Oh, well, why would you want to be out here doing this? But mm-hmm. uh, what else was I? I didn't I didn't want to see Helena one up Indy in every way and just be the actual protagonist of the movie that they sell us on Indiana Jones and then give us her force her into our lives just so we have to accept it mm-hmm. and then call us <laughs> and then call us sexists when we don't like her. Yeah, as Lucasfilm I think has she done did in the great. past. I think he bails her out more than she bails him out, especially when they're yeah. in, it's not Cairo, they're not in Cairo, but they're in Egypt, and she's auctioning off the Morocco. dial. Yeah, Morocco, thank you. And he's kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and just kind of yeah. has to bail her out throughout that whole sequence. Well, she's very resourceful, too. I love the scene when she has the dynamite stuffed in her pocket, and she's mm-hmm. trying to she's trying to light it, and he kind of gives her I a hand I thought it was going to be like... I thought she was just going to completely become a Nazi at one point. I was like, mm. oh, my God, during that scene. And then she pulls out the dynamite. I was like, oh, she's doing her thing. Good. I liked her more when they started peeling back her layers of this is this whole con woman thing is kind of a front. Mm-hmm. Where Indy says something like, you don't memorize your dead father's all the all your dead father's yeah. journals just for just to get some cash. That was a good line. I like yeah. that. Well, that was a good line. And then just the look on her face where she's kind of like, fuck, <laughs> like you got me there. Yeah. So there is more to her that we, I wish we even got more 
of that of who she really is underneath this persona. But they they hinted at it, which is better than not showing it at all. At least ah, there's something else. I like Solo. Solo was great. I love his his intro when the guy that was, was his like, own. That was the only cheer in the movie where he like where he punches the guy and it's like woo. Just a fist so comes people, out of nowhere. People love Sala. Oh, didn't he punch the yeah. guy? And then they pan over in and it's Sala. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Indy. I love, uh, what's his name? Jonathan Reese. Davies. Davies. Yeah. He's great. Cause he's also Gimli, I believe. Really? And I think people just love Jonathan Reese Davies. Yeah. I think they're the same person. Let me just double check that real quick. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but. Oh, man. Yeah. But yeah, people, he's so funny. It's because I just watched, again, all of them. He's really funny in Last Crusade. It was like, it's like, I need camels. No camels. But in he, no camels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's Gimli in Lord of the Rings. Oh, cool. But yeah. And then he, like, he, again, everybody's age, but seeing him older, I was like, aw. Because it's just part of my childhood. <laughs> it was just kind of like, I hate seeing, like, classic characters be a bit older, but that's just life. Yeah, I'm mixed on that as well. Part of me is like, leave them in the past where I remember them perfectly. But then the other yeah. part of me is like, well, older actors deserve to work too. And aging yeah. should be more societally accepted as this is going to happen to us all. So why shouldn't characters get a respectful epilogue to their stories? Yeah. Why do we have I to? Liked his, yeah. I liked his final scene where he's like, oh, I can go with you. We can. I miss having the adventure, the sand in the wind or the yeah. wind in my hair. And then he's like, those days have come and gone. It was like, a part of him was like, no, take Sala, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's so much fun. I like that he kind of just waltzed in the apartment at the end, though. Yeah. With his and then he sings his song from Raiders, which is really funny. That yeah. got a chuckle in my theater. <laughs> yeah. So Indy got a happy ending after all. Yeah. And he grabs his hat. And again, they leave it um, kind of open-ended where they don't kill him off and they don't say this is the definitive event because he does grab the hat at the end. They kind of make it, they do the ellipses where they close in on the hat, but then you see his hand go and grab it. So it's like, could there be another adventure? God, please don't. Because <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> what else can you make? The ending but, um, I felt was a little anticlimactic. It didn't... Yeah. It didn't feel as big as I wanted it. Like, it, mm. once again, I, I love the ending of Crystal Skull. Like, the wedding at the end, like, that feels like an event or, or something. This is just like, yeah, Marion comes back. His friends are over. He's got a good relationship with Helena and Teddy now. Things are good. And I can, I can see where maybe the intent was Indy's had a crazy life and we're going to leave him in one of the most low-key scenes he's ever been in. <laughs> This is, this is, this is what his life is now. It's low key. We've kind of decrescendoed out and we're, we're going to put the ellipses on the hat and he, he grabs the hat just to show, yeah, maybe there is still a little spark in his life, but that era is done. He's, yeah. he's, he's settled down now. So there is no grand, there is no grand ending. This is just it. I don't know how the execution of that really comes across, but I, I like the intent if that's what it was. This is just, we're not going to go out with a bang because 
Mm-hmm. If you go out with a bang, you're probably killing him off. That's really the only. I feel like yeah. that's one of the only ways to end these movies. Grand is if you, is if you did leave him in the past or killed him off, or something. It's funny because it feels very Moon Knight. Where spoilers for Moon Knight, but yeah. like the final battle, it just kind of cuts the black and then it's over. Yeah. So you're just kind of like, oh, we're done here. But I feel like during the final act, they gave you a lot of sort of spectacle stuff where yes. I kind of just accepted the ending. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Not the greatest, but... <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't roused, but I was content. Yeah. That's what I'll say about that. So, what else? I didn't understand why Voller even had goons. So he's working as a scientist for NASA. And that, yeah. CIA, and that CIA lady doesn't like his goons She was at all. the most confusing characters who add in this movie. I didn't understand what they were doing with her. I don't... They just killed her off yeah. out of nowhere. Which kind of respected me. I gave like a little bit of respect for James Mangle because I feel like throughout the story, as he's writing it, or whoever's writing it, they're like, this character's getting to be annoying, so let's just shoot her. <laughs> And it's yeah. nothing to do with the actress at all. I think she did decent. Um, yeah. I don't. I just don't know what it is because she's like, she is working for the CIA and she is with Voller yeah. to sort of chaperone him. She's kind of his handler. Worked, yeah, yeah, because he worked on the this, team that the sent Apollo the, missions. Yeah, yeah. And he's supposed to go to Washington to speak with the president, but they're not in Washington. And again, like I'm trying to decipher what her goal is here, but she's trying to get Helena for some reason. I don't remember what it is. Because she's... Because she, she might have the dial? It's, I don't know, it's... It, Maybe? I don't really know what was going on in that first act now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I, the movie, pro- I think, would have been better off with her not being in it. Once or they just got, her character not being in it. Once they got to Morocco and Indy's frame for murder and he's going after Helena to steal the dial back, that's when it started clicking into place for me. And yeah. I'm, and it, got, it only got better from there. But that, So it's mm-hmm. like there's the first 20 minutes when they get to Morocco to the end and then there's that whole bit before that, where I didn't really well, know. Well, here's what one was... I'm confused with. She's working for the CIA. Yeah. And her goon and the goon just completely murders two teachers. Yeah. And she's just fine with it. And she does say, like, your goons, like, just murdered two people and blamed it on Jones. And he's like, but she just, like, no doesn't, but, like, just doesn't arrest them or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I felt like she was just kind of written to be sort of a shock kill later. But I, I just don't understand who these guys were. I'm like, well, does, first of all, does the American government know they're employing a Nazi? Because he calls himself Schmidt. Mm-hmm. He doesn't call himself Wohler. So he's got, a, yeah. he's got an alias. But he only reveals just... his name like when she's dying. Yeah. So they know he's, he's a German. But do they know, like, do they give him that alias to cover his ass? Because the government... Doesn't want to be know. associated working with Nazis. The government totally knew who he was, right? I have to assume that they, they're the ones who gave him the cover. 
But also, if you know he's a Nazi, or even if you don't, he's just a scientist, why are you giving him armed goons? Or letting him have them? And the CIA knows know. about it. She's there. And also one of the goons is like reading a like German trans like translation book. Yeah. It was like, this is how I'm going to learn German. I don't know. <laughs> like this is, it was just her. I'm just glad it was over with quickly because apartment was just like, they're just making the CIA and the American government look like idiots because either they don't know the Nazis are working in American governments and nasa or they do and they just don't care about it either way it's stupid well i'm pretty sure the latter was just history i'm pretty sure that actually happened where the guys who worked on the v2 rockets helped in the space program yes yes because you know anything to win the space race right work with former nazis so funny where american (laughs) the space race like america was like hey we land on the moon that's the end of the space race like, you know there's light years of shit. Okay, now that you're saying this, 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 this reminds me of one of, my favorite, one of my favorite things that I was thinking that throughout the movie. Every time Voller was like, we conquered space, let's move on. You got mm-hmm. to the moon, you didn't conquer space. <laughs> you, and you said it you, like... You four, traveled for three days. Do you know how much more there is? He said that maybe three times in the movie, and every time I'm like, you didn't conquer space. Stop thinking that's such a... Okay, yeah, maybe it was huge at the time. Yeah, like you got you got an accomplishment. I'll give you that. Yeah, but so what else? What else? What else? Uh, That I will uh, say, Voller is a pretty decent villain. I don't think he's on the level of um, Balak or. uh, Oh my god! I just watched the movie, (laughs) The Last Crusade villain. Yeah, but um, I thought he was decent. I thought it was fun. Mads well, fun, but I thought it was menacing enough. Mads Mikkelsen's always a good villain. Wrong. Fucking Hannibal, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Uh, bad movie, but he's good in it. And other then this. Things. Yeah. The okay. The other thing I thought was dumb was when Has Teddy- he ever played a good person. <laughs> I have to look this up. <laughs> the other Has he ever thing I done like a. I love to see him in a comedy just to see what he does. I bet he'd be funny. Oh, he's Danish. I didn't know that. Hmm. Oh, yeah, he was in like a 2020 movie called Another Round. I think it's like an alcoholic. I don't know if this is a comedy. No, I, rem- I remember seeing that. Oh, he is it. And Casino Royale. Oh, Le Chief. Wow. Of course. Oh, Rogue One. He plays the dad. Rogue One. Oh, yeah. 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 A That's... good character, yeah. He's in sure. a couple scenes, but he's great. He's in Kung Fu Panda 3. Sorry. Hmm. <laughs> the other thing I thought was dumb. Is it Cars? cars sorry keep going was that scene when they're going through the portal and teddy's stealing the biplane and he's got the Mm. and there and there was just that german guy sleeping in the back and i'm like yeah how did you Um, sleep through all this what was what but also like what is the point of him he's like hey you're on my plane and then he's just kind of there like first of all why are you sleeping in your plane don't you have anywhere else to be yeah. And also, why is this guy not fighting back? Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, not even trying to, like, get control of the plane. He's just okay with this child flying his plane. Yeah. I mean, I just felt of, like he didn't need to be there. 
I kind of understood it once they went through the portal and they were both just kind of staring dumbfounded at the what is even happening. We don't I don't really feel like fighting right yeah. now. This is just weird. But yeah. Yeah, that was strange. Some of the effects I thought looked pretty green screeny as well. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the the sky looked pretty fake, fake. city, the skies, yeah. The the train at the beginning all the background, mm-hmm. not the train itself, but everything surrounding it. They're trying to cover yeah. in fog because I'm like that. You, you didn't, you didn't make a background for that very much, yeah. did you? That was the one, the one time at the end where, like, right before they cut to the to the modern day, where it's deep fake Indiana Jones and he turns the smile, and he's it's like it's so CGI. I was like, oh god, like it did not look great. Right. Yeah, they were fine. Nothing, like, insane, but it's just also just a problem with, like, green screen. This is where the volume could have worked. We're in there on rooftops, and they could have used... I mean, if anybody wants an example, look at the Batman. That's Volume City whenever on the... When it's uh, Batman and Catwoman on the rooftop. Oh, it's called Gotham... It's called Gotham City, Ryan? Not Volume City? What did I say it? You said that's... What did I say? You said that's Volume City. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Gotham the Volume City. <laughs> so uh, my final I was, thought. Uh, this is I I have to say this. I don't yeah. know why, but there's this podcast I see on TikTok and it's literally it's the famous TikToker where he's always wearing the Spider Man hoodie. Okay. And he's got like this one guy who has the worst takes and all. I've sent you a clip of it, like to you and Justin in the group chat. I think so. But he's gone on record and saying like Batman v Superman is a better representation of Batman than the Batman like recently and I'm just like oh my god but and and he does that more so like he has these hot takes because he is a troll but sometimes he just believes that kind of stuff and it's great content but it's just so like rage inducing I don't know but it's so funny because his podcast partner just goes off on him and that's what makes their dynamic like really funny isn't that basically, he has the worst takes ever that's basically just us though isn't it yeah, but they're they're insane. Like they scream. <laughs> the only you, time we scream at each other is like House of like Dragons and Last of Us Part Two. Uh, Last of Us Part Two. That was the only two. How many times have you walked out on me though? Where you just take off your headphones, like three times. slam them down, and stand up and walk out for a yeah. sec? Got to catch your breath. Well, that's your fault. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm the provocative one. I say, yeah, I have a lot of hot takes. But this is a guy who thinks Cars 2 is one of the best Pixar movies. So. Uh. Yeah. Don't. Sure. I, have, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't think I've even seen Cars 2 or 3. So I haven't either. Because it's so bad. And I haven't seen Cars 1 since 2004. He also thinks Man of Steel is the worst movie ever. Because it betrays the character of Superman so bad. Uh, guys hasn't seen a lot of movies. I know. <laughs> And he loves Last Jedi. Who is this person? And how do you you have so many... (laughs) Oh, man. It's so funny, because he'll have like a streak of like good takes, and then just the worst take possible. And then people are like, wow, you you were on a roll for a second. Yikes. Oh, he also hates Raiders, anyway. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how these opinions converge. These I all know. feel like... He's a strange man. I think he's from Florida. Does that explain it? A little. 
Okay. <laughs> it's a little clear. I like, don't know your name. I'm sorry. They call him the hat guy on the podcast, but we love you because you're just, you're funny, but you got the worst takes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my final thoughts on Raiders. Uh, sorry. Not Raiders. Although that I, uh, it's excellent. <laughs> yeah, Raiders, is excellent. Raiders is excellent. <laughs> I did like that joke when she just called him uh, an old grave robber. He's like, no, I wasn't. Yeah. I was doing. I'm not a grave work. robber. <laughs> so, in general, I think they handled the Indiana Jones legacy with respect. I came out of this movie thinking, yeah, I was entertained, but I didn't, I didn't really need it. I, I was okay where I was. I didn't come out. Where would you rank it? Fourth best. It's better than Crystal Skull, but it's worse than the original three. <laughs> Yeah, that's the hard part, because I don't like Temple of Doom, but it's also, I can't say it's like the third best. I think Temple of Doom is better. Temple of Doom, mind you, is my next one up. I also really like Crystal Skull. I don't know why. It's just the pacing, right? This is one of my hot-ass takes. Yeah, the pacing's off, yeah. Like, this is a a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Temple of Doom is Indiana Jones in his prime, directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Oh, man. If it's fourth best, I have to concede that Temple of Doom is third best. Oh, well. Basically, yeah. I mean, my, <laughs> mind you, the, the, these gradings have big gaps between them. It's like, yeah, it's third best, yeah. but quite a bit worse than Last Crusade. This is fourth best, but quite a bit worse than Temple of Doom. It's definitely not top two. I don't think Crystal Skull is, like, as big a gap from this to that. No. Because Crystal Skull, as we've discussed, is not as bad as people say. It's the worst mm-hmm. one, but it's still... Better is than it? people give it credit. <laughs> well, some people will say this is the worst one. Yeah, I bet. A lot of people oh, well. will. Well, they and don't have a podcast, so they're wrong. <laughs> our opinion is law. Yeah. Movie law. See, the thing is, it's... Criticism tends to be very hyperbolic. And the thing, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is this movie is just fine. It's not great, and it's not bad. It's yeah. just fine. And that's okay. It doesn't need to be the best Indiana Jones movie Mm -hmm. ever. It doesn't need to be the biggest disappointment ever. I came out a little disappointed, but also it wasn't as bad as I feared it was going to be. Yeah. So like um, when fans harp on like the one time when they shot, like when they shot on Rotten Tomatoes all the time, like how can reviewers say 60% is bad? Like, like, or put this at 60%. It's not that bad. It's like, 60 is technically not that bad. That's above average. And that just means 60%. Like that's an above average. And that just means yeah. 60% liked it. Exactly. Or said it was so or or said it was fresh. That that doesn't include the people mm-hmm. who gave it like like IMDb yeah. has this movie at a 7.1. That's above average. Yeah. So Yeah. It's fine. So when we say like 5 whenever I say like 5 out of 10, that's like an average movie for me. But for me, I think this movie was like probably a 6. I think it was worth a watch. Six, seven. I think it's worth a watch. I still think it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great moments in it. It's just yeah. missing a little bit of that magic to make it like on the level of the other Indiana Jones movie. It's missing some quick-witted dialogue, some mm-hmm. Spielberg's touch. I don't know what Spielberg gives it that Mangold isn't. I just I haven't. I think it's figured the, that I think out it's yet. the certain action scenes. I'm pretty sure. I think it's just. Steven Spielberg does stuff with like action scenes and well he definitely has a better sense of geography most action scenes fail in geography yeah can't figure out what's going on 
was very like jump cut, not super jump cutty, but yeah. Yeah. I was also missing like just an insane stunt where in Raiders, and again, he's old as shit now, but in Raiders, he's using the whip under the car. He's being pulled by the car. That's, yeah, that's and in last And in Last Crusade, he's being held by a tank just by his satchel strap, and he's about to be run into a wall. You know, like, oh, God, oh, God, watching that so tense. And then it's a great moment, too, where they finally turn away from the tank. This is why I love Last Crusade so much. When they turn away from the wall, and then Indiana Jones starts to climb up, and you hear the John Williams score, and you're like, yeah! It's just, like, a great moment all around. I thought it's it was like, a, dun, 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 dun. I thought it was a good stunt when his buggy was gonna get taken out and he had to jump into Helena's one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that was, that a, was good. Like that was one of the few times in the movie I was like, ah, good. But you're right; it did lack something big. Yeah, there's nothing like super spectacly or gigantic that Indiana Jones needs to be. Yeah. Even, you could have even gotten Phoebe Waller-Bridge to do it. You didn't, you didn't need Harrison Ford mm-hmm. to do that stunt. It would have been nice, but... <laughs> <laughs> unlikely. It's yeah. just... Yeah, it's, it's missing a stunt. It's missing... Like, the, all the ingredients are there. Everything that makes right. a good Indiana Jones movie is here. And it's executed well. But not exceptionally. Exactly. It's like it, I think it's above. It's not mediocre. It's it's well done, mm-hmm. but disappointing at the same time. I, it's just it's so in the middle. It's hard to. At least they didn't do a collage of uh, dead characters and bring them in for a cameo fest. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. What movie are you talking about, Ryan? Oh, nothing. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I feel like I Is might. Is that Christopher Reeve? Sorry. <laughs> I feel like I might remember this one more fondly going forward because even even yeah. when you and I are talking about it today, I like a lot about this movie. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff we've been talking about today is in the positive. So, if this is send off, I'll, I'll accept it. I couldn't accept Kingdom of Kristen's skull because I felt like the ending was just kind of left too much up to. I mean, like, it is, like, a good ending, but it didn't feel super impactful. Mm-hmm. Or it felt like the ending of this was a bit impactful. If but. it's the ending, I'm just glad it wasn't bad. Indiana Jones yeah. went out on a decent note. Mm-hmm. So, and so did John Williams. This was his last. I am more than happy with I hope with he that. gets nominated, at least, for a couple of awards for best score. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tradition every year to nominate him for something anyway. So, <laughs> yep. Maybe they'll be nice and give it to him. Just give him one last one. I bet they will. I bet. I bet you they will. And it's Just a great like, score. It's I his don't... last movie. I thought he did phenomenal. Yeah. If I'm being honest, we just gotta wait till Oscar season to see all the other scores. But that's a whole year. <laughs> I know. Oh <laughs> uh, man, because not. I don't think anything recently to come out as would beat this score right now. I I got nothing. Yeah. Nothing offhand. Super Mario Brothers. No, I'm kidding. That would be cheap. <laughs> that would be so cheap. Like, okay, great. You're, uh, you're great score. It, it really was, but it's heavily banking off nostalgia, nostalgia. points. 
So, oh right. man, that's uh, plug our socials and get out of here till next. Alrighty. week. Well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Doing any streams? All that, all that fun stuff. Uh, been streaming a little bit of Jedi Survivor. I haven't found the time recently, but going to try and do it sometime next week. Nice. By the time of recording, it's going to be passed, but <laughs> just stay up to date, people. Just always be Subscribe on Ryan's and, YouTube channel. Always yeah. be looking. <laughs> Look, at, I do Instagram posts about it or Instagram stories about it or TikTok stories about it. So, yeah. Follow him on everything. And you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe, where we discuss why don't they make action movies like they used to. Till next time. It's so off pitch you can't get demonetized. <laughs>